0: hello everyone welcome to the Arsenal Mix podcast um to, to um our fixture because it is oh, bloody old day It's tuesday today we played on saturday nights so There's a few days um but I've, it's still well fun to talk about arsenal because um we're top of the league so uh, i've got you got me raj and you've got aaron with me today all right aaron good evening mate how are you doing well, as I was saying to you before we went live, I'm actually not feeling that well. So I do have an Arsenal shirt underneath, but my ho- my hoodie here is um you know keeping my um my temperature at an acceptable level because I feel like I have the lurgies, sadly. Okay. We can push through. Your attire does not determine your thoughts. Very profound. how are you how are you feeling mate on um what is now a little break from premier league football uh (laughs) did we ever think that we'd be in this break being like ah five points top of the premier league five points clear five points clear at the top of the league yeah i know it's
1: a strange feeling isn't it i don't know It's awesome, obviously. Um, I can't, and I think you just have to take a step back and, you know, remember when we were talking at the start of the season and we were like, oh, how do we get to fourth? And um, like, what is the path to getting to fourth? And, you know, just a, it's a small sign of just how well this team, well, it's not a small sign, it's a massive sign of how this team has done in the first 13, 14, was it 13 games now? Um, And to be top 14 games, I think is it 14 14 games. Yeah. So to be top and five points clear. And I think, you know, we, we have to just accept and embrace the fact that we have been the best team in the, in the league so far. And I don't think it's been close. Right. And the the table cliche, the table doesn't lie, but you know, we are five points better off than man city. And, you know, you, yeah we are think, thinking here like okay, we're five points clear, but we're also thinking like you know we shouldn't have dropped points against man United and <laughs> against Southampton. you know there's a, there's a world here that if with a little bit more luck we um,
0: <laughs> we're 100 percent uh, surely. sure I know I get where you're going with this and you know it's the same every season you know when you finish a season or whatever and you kind of go, oh my God, what if it wasn't for that result and that result and that result. But I suppose right, as much as you are completely correct. Like Man City are probably looking at it right now, right? Going, how did we lose at home to Brentford? How did we draw? Was it Bournemouth they drew to? Was it, or was it Bournemouth? Who was it? there? or was it Villa that they were away to? They drew, Villa then they drew to, yeah. And then you know, they lost obviously to Liverpool. Um, that was it, I think. I yeah. think that is it. And that shows the yep. margin. But here's the thing like. see, so you know, you said just before you, you said, like, we've been the best team in the league. It was only until this game week that I have um, come to think that as well. Like, so I didn't think that before. Like I thought it was, yeah, okay. You know, we've, we've accumulated the most points, but after this game week where Man City lost at home to Brentford, when they only beat Fulham in the last minute, last game, you know, like and Fulham. You know that was jam. That was total, whatever. And the fact that they've dropped points in other games before, I'm sort of thinking, you know what? This isn't. We made everyone made out to Man City to be this beast before the season started. Absolute mm. beast, right? Like, and in fairness, you know they added the best striker in the world, or like the big, you know, biggest prospect if you like. Well, not even prospect. Yeah, let's just go with best striker in the world. Arguably best striker in the world, and. And he hits the ground running, and you think, "Why they've just added that to this like team that won the league?" But do you think like everyone's just everyone's let that stigma not stigma, but everyone kind of had had an impression of what they thought City was, and do you think that has led everyone to you know this narrative throughout this kind of first bit of the season where everyone's kind of been like, "Oh, Arsenal doing really, really well," but, but you know, like, obviously City, you're going to win it. Yeah. Well.
1: I think it's a bit crazy just how screwed the competitiveness in this league is. Where you have a team who is five points clear, I say at Christmas. I know it's not the normal at Christmas because, yeah, Christmas is usually what 16, 17, 18 games in. We've only done 14 um, because of the World Cup. But a team that, you know, a decent third of the way into the season is five points clear and very, very few people you know we probably like have a 1% chance of winning the league um despite being 5 points clear against a team in second and significantly clear of most other teams as well and it just goes to show that a how good city are um and yeah they've got they've changed their tactics a bit they've gone all in on harland and that might that might cost them potentially um but look we at the start of the season all we had to do you know i remember saying at the start of the season let's win beat it's really really important that we beat palace because it will help us help give us a foundation for the next like two or three games of the season and then i said if we go and win those we then build another platform to go and attack the next like mini set of fixtures to then build this platform for top four right now just. You know I'm an optimistic guy, but you know, I never thought that you know we'd win the first game, that would when tell us to we then win the th- first three games, would then basically win ninety-five percent of you know the first 13-14 games. And not only will it build us a platform for top four, but what, what it will actually do is actually build us a really good foundation to potentially go and attack the league. And I think we're all sitting here and thinking, what do we do now? Like what does this the what are we? What is this team? Where are we on this project? Are we uh, are we still in this fight for, for top four? Or actually, should we then now start thinking, right, how are we going to really have a go at this league? And what do we need to do differently in this second half, second two-thirds of the season, if we want to have a go at attacking the league? And I don't know the answer to that, but
0: I would love to hear what, what you think. But do you, so... Do you think, right? It's because we just don't know with this squad because it's not done it before. So, like, you know, with City, I think part of it is people going, "Well, they've done it before, you know." So, so they've got precedent. So they've, you know, they won the league last season. They've, they've done. They've won a number of leagues, and so there's that familiarity. There's that. There's the fact that you know that you know that they can get stuff like this over the line. We know that they've got this amazing squad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And with us, it feels like right now, both. Arsenal fans both rival fans pundits etc they don't have that familiarity with Arsenal to go on we don't know that these guys are capable of doing this over a course of a season um and it's it's kind of not not recency bias but I guess familiarity bias in some ways hmm. I wonder how much of it is that versus actually the realities the realities are we don't have the same squad as man city's the reality is that we have, although we've played more away games than home games, we still have got quite a lot of tricky away games to come this season. Mm. It feels like we've got very, very tricky away games left.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, right. You're I think you're right. The main, the main thing is the, we don't know. And I think if, especially if you look at the way last season ended where, you know, we were favorites to get top four and we, we we threw it away right for enough and, and we can we've explored the reasons why that happened and maybe there are some learnings we can take from that and we might talk about this later on but you know we were in a position to see this out and actually that team was probably good enough to finish top four but you, know, you could argue we bottled it we had injuries a combination of things went wrong and I think as Arsenal fans and maybe even the players I don't know thinking well what if the same thing happens again what if we get those injuries like you said earlier on um what if the mentality isn't there when it comes to the running or even those big crunch games but i look at this team and i look at some of the results and especially the last two results where we went away to chelsea we went away to wolves and we when we went 1-0 up we played like a big team and we you know when we went to chelsea i was there we could, we could have played that game for another 4 hours and chelsea wouldn't have scored um, and because we were just so dominant and wolves like we you know we took our we took a little while to get going you know the team some of the players weren't well we had a few issues but actually when we went 1-0 up we looked in command and then we went 2-0 up and we still looked good and it shows that this team is learning. It shows that this team is actually learning to play like a big team. And the, the signings, Gabriel you know, you know, Jesus and Zinchenko have talked about this, where they say like, we need to get away from being seen as a, a top four team. They want to, you know, the project is we're pushing for the title and it is probably is a bit sooner than we thought, but this mentality hopefully seems to have shifted a bit. And well, look, we don't know, right? It gets to April. We're away at, st james's park again or we're away at white hart lane what happens i don't know but the signs are good
0: definitely it's also we say signs are good right there's we, we we've we've only we've only not been the better team in mm. maybe one game this season that was Leeds. yeah we were probably the better team against man united even when we lost it's been one game all season right so there is something to be said for teams that you know for big big teams who you know when they, when they're not even playing well or whatever they still they, they still get wins. We're playing just really good football, like or even the, even against Wolves. Uh, touching on Wolves, right? I was really disappointed in our first half performance, uh, but you always felt that we could go up a gear, and and I felt that when we went in at half time, I thought Arteta would, you know, give a few wise words to just let people know that you know, we needed to switch it on a bit, but I felt that we had that capacity to mm. do that. And yeah, you know, it's always tough when you're playing a side who's playing a very low block like wolves did. Wolves were really, really just, you know, low blocked us, tried to counter fair enough. Why wouldn't you, if you're wolves, that's exactly what yeah. you're going to do. Um, but like you say, you know, this game management was brilliant. wasn't because we went one nil up and then, and then just really behaved like a very um, organized, a professional, uh, good team um and it's happening every week we're not talking about you know before back in the back i said back in the even last season right Arsenal put in a really good performance and we're here analyzing it for age we're gonna like oh my god you see how he did this and this and it was because it's like a surprise here it's now yeah. it's normal every game yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like damn and this i think we're learning right we
1: we've talked about it so much about how when we go one no up we 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 let the team back in the game we struggle to control games we seem to just drop back into our you know, more defensive shape and give the opposition control of the ball. That isn't, I know it's a small sample size, but the last three or four games, that isn't happening anymore. We're going out and we're getting the first goal. And then we're going and getting the second goal. We're trying to get that second goal as we did against Chelsea. It didn't come, but we're in control. And it shows that this team, this manager, these players are still getting better and they're still learning and they're still figuring things out. And, you have this big anomaly of the World Cup, and what what's going to happen there? No, nobody knows how we're going to come out at the back of that. But the trend is encouraging, as we're seeing these improvements. We're seeing us work on things. We're seeing the defense get better. You know, you'd argue now that we have a we have a clear first choice eleven now. I think, and um, that can be beneficial as well. Um, and we look we look stable. And that's what seems different. We look stable, and we look like we're improving. And that—that's
0: what seems different this year. The stable—it's like a bit of a paradox at the moment, isn't it? It's like we're stable yet at the same time fragile because it feels like because of your point around us having this side the same eleven—not not, not the same eleven, but m- mainly you know the vast majority of these players you can write down what you think the team sheet's going to be every single week. Yeah, but I think because of that, it feels like there's fragility in that. You take out a parte, you take out a Hazes, you know, the drop off that we've talked about, you know, by just taking out one of these components. Um, but what I think is quite encouraging, right, is the biggest concern for me with our squad size and, and, and all of that, would we be able to get to January? Because January gives you the opportunity to, rec- to recruit. And on obviously, depending on how you're doing, January... Gives you different kinds of opportunities, and we're in a case now where okay, we're not a January. We've got a couple of games before, you know, we, the January window window opens, but we'll be first or second, won't we? I think. I think like I. I think there's two games. Is it? There's two games for the new year. So before the January window opens, the worst possible scenario is that we're second, right? Yeah. So it's it's very it's a very compelling um situation for us to go into january and, and so, that, so you know there's a lot of people kind of say the arsenal squad are they good enough Is the squad good enough well you know we've got an opportunity now in january we, we just needed to be good enough to get to january and then reassess and it feels like we're going to be in that position where where we can smith row will come back that'll help um but you know y- you feel like we've got to do i'll be very surprised be very surprised if we aren't um trying to move ahead of schedule with some things uh when it comes to january well yeah you say ahead of schedule but we tried to sign um
1: no no um yeah that was that was part of the plan right and was that injury that was that because of el neni's injury and everything fine fine yeah okay yeah maybe um yeah but i think it's clear that we were we're looking for another midfielder we probably we're probably looking you know we bid for Rafinha, um in the summer as well and i think we were looking for another wide player who never really came in any other form um there's yeah i think i think you're right mate i think you look at this and you think where are we gonna be in this position again where we are on the up we're top of the league or near come January. might Let's let's just say, let's say we're still top of the league in January. We're in and amongst it. And actually, for whatever reason, everyone else is at least one step behind. You know, we're not fighting with four or five other teams who have started well. It's just, at least for now, it looks like just us and City. Are we really going to have a chance to really go for a title again? um now hopefully we are and we're building this project to actually continue to do that but you know will liverpool be as bad next season will chelsea be as bad will man united be as bad newcastle could have even more money around then uh spurs will be in and around it as well who knows someone else might get taken over by a billionaire or another state and and spend big and if it gets into a you know in 2 3 years time if it gets into a spending race we're not going to win that spending race um. So, yeah, I yeah, you know, I think will we? You know, this is a really, really good opportunity. And if it means that for the sake of half a season, maybe spending a little bit more money, bring some of those ideas forward, pay a little bit extra, and get those players in now. Because at worst, hopefully, we're still in the
0: Champions League if this gamble doesn't pay off. It's um, a really <clears throat> interesting perspective that you just put on it there which i haven't actually thought about before the perspective that regardless of the fact that this is a young team and it's growing and you know it's probably it's probably gonna get better the fact is the rate of improvement of many of the teams who aren't doing so well could be quite exponential because of the money involved therefore is it a case where regardless of whether we continue to get better over coming seasons do you know? Does does that acceleration of the other teams end up taking you know o- overlapping to the point where, like you say, this season becomes like the season? It feels like th- you go for this season, even if you even if you can see a path in the next couple of seasons of getting better. For yeah. go, go for it now, because yeah. like you say, it might, we we just might not get that opportunity. It's quite sad looking at it that way, and as well, isn't it? it is, because it is because. The
1: reality is, if you look at the richest teams in the league, City are richer than us. Newcastle will be richer than us. Well, they probably are richer than us now. Uh, Chelsea, it's hard to say where they stack up post Abramovich, but they'll be in and around it. Liverpool could get taken over, and even now, significantly wealthier than us. Um, Again, a bit debatable with Liverpool, but yeah. Yeah. And Man United. So that's four or five teams, right? Mm. Now, all we need is for those teams to just play to the potential that their money and their spending power, you know, warrants. And it might be the case that we are in and around it, but actually, if we get a signing wrong or we have a bad month, we could go from first to fifth or sixth. Um, whereas this season, again, it's still early days, and I caveat this, but you'd hope that we would be if we are still in and around a title challenge come February, March time at worst, we still finish top four and you have a little bit of a safety net as well. I think as the seasons go on, more teams will be in and around this title race. It means more teams will be in and around the top four race. I think getting champions league will get harder and we can't take anything for granted. We don't know. You know, Arteta could leave in a year Um Saka could not sign a new contract. Um, All these horrible things hopefully will never happen, but they could. And if put, look, we could sign two or three players and still finish second or third. But, you know, I I think back to like last January where I think we needed a striker and we didn't because we gambled and said, let's just pause for the long-term project and not, and then that, you could argue that probably cost us top four. This, this summer, we didn't sign cover in a few positions and we got away with that gamble, right? I wonder, like, come the summer, and let's say we don't sign a wide player or we don't sign a midfielder and Saka or parte get injured and it costs us seven, eight points and we finish four points off top or something like that and we finish second, how annoyed will we be to say, look, why didn't we just go and spend 20 million and just go for it?
0: It's not going to be a 20 20 million pound player. 20 million extra, extra, right? Uh, It could
1: be a 40 million, 50 million pound. I don't know who it is, right? I'm not a scout, but could we not? I really hope that we've got these names lined up and we're just saying that we we thought we were going to get them in summer. Hmm. It's going to cost us another 10 million, 20 million more to get them now.
0: Let's just do it and go for it. It's, I think the other thing that's interesting is whether it's a different profile of player because Douglas Louise is a good example, yeah? So, you know, clearly they thought, all right, fine, El Nenny's injured or whatever, we need to get a central midfielder in, he, he, he'll do. But I wonder whether that would, now that, you know, and I know Douglas Louise has signed a new contract, mm. but now that we are where we are would they even consider getting Douglas Louise, or would it be like, no, actually, I think, it, it's a different yeah, Douglas Louise
1: probably was a bit reactionary. Um, because of the own any injury, maybe it was a panic buy. I don't know. Um, and maybe, maybe with hindsight,
0: it was, could have been a terrible decision. I don't know. But Well, it was clear that we had a value. So we said, uh, yes. we'll pay this much. And if not, then that's that. Yeah. yeah. So kind of been too panicky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but look, look, we took a gamble and said, "Look, we're just going to do without El Neni and we're going to hope the midfield can carry us through." To now, you could argue we don't need one now because El Neni's still here. But actually, like if El Neni he signed a contract last summer, am I making that? Up? He signed a one year yeah, contract. Did, he, did, he did. yeah. If El Neni is going to leave and we're going to buy someone else in, uh, in the summer, could we get that second choice midfielder now? Um. I don't know who that mm-hmm. is. I know we've been linked with that Brazilian. Is it Danilo? Or am I making... uh, Danilo, yeah. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he is a target. You know, there's that the Ukrainian winger... Mudrick. Mad... Mudrick, Mad... yeah. yeah. Um, there are probably a million other players we have scouted who I've never heard of or are probably very good. Um, could we not get one of those in? And could we get a, a wide player in? And then you add Smith-Rowe back into this, then you know, that the squad is then looking all right. Because there's still Europa League as well that we need to should go for and we can't rotate as much. And there's all that to figure out. So it's going to be a really interesting January, I think, for us.
0: Do, do you think we've got the problem as well that um, because we are doing so well uh, and, and obviously we've got players who are kind of playing out their skins, Partey, Martinelli, etc. um, like whoever we get, it's going to be a drop off. So you know yeah. we, we can we talk about cover for Partey. We talk about how that's you know so important. But who who the hell do you get? You know, if it, it feels like it's one of these things that, whatever the case, yes, we do need cover. Yes, we do need a bigger squad. But I think that there isn't. It doesn't feel like there's anyone realistic that we can sign that's going to be able to do that. Maybe in the in the wide positions, that a little bit different. You know, maybe maybe yeah, there there are a few wide players. Um, but you know, I I, I do worry a little bit that you know we will put we will put Arsenal, as in we, as in fans, will put them under a fair amount of pressure, I think, to do business in January. Um, and I'm worried that ultimately, regardless of the business that we, do, that we do in January, the most important thing will still be keeping those key players fit, right? Not yeah, necessarily, yeah, that's fine. Especially, yeah, you know yeah I mean? but that's, that's the nature of top title
1: winning teams is they get luck with injuries, right? I remember that Liverpool team that won the league they had Salah, Mane, Firmino fit mm. every game. I don't know how many games they played, but I felt like Salah was fit the whole season. Van Dijk was fit the whole season. Um, Roberts and Trent were fit and played every game. And you you, you say to them, look, if, you, if they lose Salah for five games, or they lose, I think they didn't lose Salah for a few games, actually, but if they lose Mane or, or Van Dijk, actually we saw what happened to Liverpool when they lost Van Dijk mm. uh, the following season, they were, they tanked. Um okay. You're gonna need luck with injuries, and unfortunately, this. Yeah, I said this a few times before, but Man City have completely like distorted the reality of what a feasible, <laughs> realistic squad is, because they, um, yeah, with Man City, they're bent. They've got 100 million pound Graylish on the bench. They've got Calvin Phillips who sits on the bench for them. They've got uh mares who can come off the bench who's won the league um that's not realistic for uh for any other team except man city but i think even some of our fan base think well we we need 40 50 million pound players on the bench but we can't do that no one can do that except man city Well, man
0: united should also man united yeah it's the the biggest joke right Um, that's quality and
1: that's the risk right that's the risk with newcastle for example like could eventually it'll take them a while but could they then start having 40 50 million pound players on their bench um, but we could do if with good scouting, we could have maybe not another Thomas Partey on the bench, but could we have a better on Probably. probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, could we have a, an improved version of uh, like when Saka gets injured now it's Nelson or Marquinhos, right? Mm-hmm. Nelson's probably going to leave Marquinhos. I don't think what the, the plan was to him for him to even play this season. Mm-hmm. Could we have someone there? Probably because um, you're right, the first team is probably quite set, but I think these like fringe
0: squad players will really make the difference. Do you think that there'll be a fine balance that that Edu and, and Arteta and, and, and Josh and the rest of them, the fine balance that they'll have to tread over the few next few years where we've clearly got a great academy that's producing some great products. And some of these guys are in the team at the moment, some some are on loan as well. Let's talk about people like Patino, et cetera. Mm. Now, now, you you kind of have to be quite brave, don't you? Because as we start establishing ourselves as a side that's competing for the title, then it becomes a bit, it's a bit harder to be brave and to say, do you know what, actually, Patino is going to be the third choice central midfielder or whatever and then, you know, you can get vilified by by everyone, the fans, the, the pundits, you know, that can cost you. It can cost you not having, um, you know, a, a 28-year-old seasoned pro coming in at that. But at the end of the day, kind of to your point, Man City have skewed this thing, right? They've made it out. They've, they've created this reality, which is just not reality for most. Ultimately, we're going to actually need to supplement our squad with some of these talented young players. Um, it's not going to be a you know a man city with um 200 million pounds worth of fullbacks it's yeah it's, it's not it's not gonna be the case so I'll, I'll be interested to see how they manage that to be honest it's true yeah you're right like let's say hypothetically
1: we have an opportunity to bring in a top player who is better than a top wide player who hi- hypothetically is better than martinelli or Saka, right? A title-winning team says to either Martinelli or Saka, you're on the bench from now on. Um, yeah. And Man City probably says, you know what, I like Saka. You're very good. You've gotten us this far. But actually, we found this £100 million forward that is better than you on the bench you go. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of fans wouldn't like it. But actually, some fans probably wouldn't care because that's what Pep would do. And you mm-hmm. know, we're seeing this with Arteta. Arteta comes from the school of Pep. Right, I reckon in his vision is we don't just have Saka or Martinelli who play every game. We don't have those three that play every game. We have Saka, Martinelli, two other wide players and we pick the best one. Um I think he wants 14 15 first team players uh mm. in his That's I think that's his vision, but then these young players, you're right, like you I think all it all what it does is probably raises the bar a bit. Because not only that, if we, you know, not only does it raise the bar in terms of who can get a game, we're going to then have Champions League games and hopefully next season and every season after that, where you can't then, you don't get those Europa League minutes for yeah, it's a good point. the likes of Marquinhos, et cetera. Um, and then, then what do you do? It's just the League Cup and the FA Cup, maybe. And you're right, like it, it becomes a lot harder for these young players to come through. The Patinos, for example. I wouldn't be surprised if Patina doesn't get a game next season, except outside of the league cup, because the the
0: level has been raised. Totally. I mean, to be honest, I think if we, if we actually sustain a title challenge for the rest of the season, you know, I don't see Patina coming back to the Arsenal squad next season. I think he'll probably go on loan, hopefully to a premier league club. Um, and, and I would, I would support that. You know, I think that we, I think things change. I think I, I you know, I, I look at Arsenal right now and, have so much, uh, so many positive things to say, like everyone does. But one of the, one of the most positive things is, is just it feels like we've just got an incredibly sustainable approach to football, which I feel like he's got this system. Arteta's got this system. He's got um, he's got a, a a framework. He's got a methodology. He's got a culture. You name it. He's got all those buzzwords. He's got everything, and it feels like now it's just literally a case of I've got all that established. So now I'm just gonna keep it I'm gonna get players who just fit into that. And just I've got nothing I need to change. You've just got all you know better, better players, better squad, more interchangeable components, which I think is really, really it's really fun. Um, but I think it will mean that we need to be a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit more ruthless, perhaps. And like you said, I, I can completely see us getting to a point in where we're playing Champions League football where we'll have maybe four wingers. Who are all of a similar kind of caliber? So at the moment, you could probably argue that we've got three. You could argue that Martelly Saka, and Smith Rowe are are that. I know Smith Rowe's probably got to come back on the curve now. He's been injured. Yeah, yeah. but you know he was given the ten shirt for a reason. So um, you know, I imagine there's at least one more. And clearly, like we're going for Rafinha. Um, So yeah, it 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 it, it is fun times. What one thing to. I suppose call out we haven't really spoken about um, the Wolves game in detail and I don't necessarily propose we do but it was a game where you needed a captain and Mm. we got one didn't we Um, we got a performance from from the captain particularly in the second half two goals from Odegaard Uh, that's working out really well as well isn't it just him as captain I mean top scorer and is he top scorer he is top scorer this season
1: believe it or not um yeah the i yeah i think he's got six um so yeah look he's, oh, he's i love him i love I me mean, love all our players i think i was like i don't know who i love the most but i just this season with goals coming from everywhere it becomes a lot you know we can then you know almost tolerate Gabriel Jesus just being off form in terms of his finishing, although I think the rest of his game is world class. I thought even against Wolves, he was very, very good. Um, we can tolerate, you know, maybe Saka not getting as many goals as we probably would have wanted him to this season. Um, Martinelli might have had an, you know, an up and down game, although again, he was very good, I thought, in the second half. And if everyone's chipping in, it just makes you know, we, no one cares. No one cares if we if we're winning 2-0 and we have Odegaard scoring one goal and you know Partey scoring from outside the box the second goal, it doesn't really matter if Jesus hasn't scored for two or three games, as long as and we can tolerate it because we know he's doing the good stuff and we know that the work is being done and it's just it's just not going his way these last couple of games. It's okay because the buffer is there and everyone else is covering the 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 gap so yeah I, I think there were the two really really good goals um the first one was you know a tap in for him but there was a lot of good work by Vieira who again is another player that we would probably want to see contribute mm. in the second half of the season because um players will come out right we saw it against Wolves so when Xhaka a key contributor this season steps away because he you know Probably needs to go to the toilet or something. Um, that was very, he, random. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
0: yeah, very random. It hasn't <laughs> come out, right? No, it doesn't. It oh, it did come out. Arteta said that, said that there was an illness and a yeah, few players. Four or five players were ill. I think Tierney was ill.
1: The uh, Conga wasn't in the squad. I'm not sure if he was or wasn't ill. But yeah, so Xhaka steps away, and actually, then you're like, oh, uh, who do we bring on? And actually, we bring on Vieira. And I know he's not been. Uh, the best in terms of the last four or five games. I think he struggled and even against Wolves, I thought he had some ropey moments. I didn't watch the game live, but I watched the extended highlights and yeah, it's really good for him to get that assist because it was a key moment for us and now hopefully he can then crack on. But Mm. going back to Odegaard, I thought the second goal was actually a really, really good finish that um, looked, yeah, it looked like he just smashed it, but I think he places that really well
0: and gets a good amount of power to just put that away. Both goals, right, displayed a a huge feature, I think, of Arsenal this season, um, which is just the amount of people we seem to be getting in the box. And Mm. uh, pundits sometimes do mention this. And sometimes I've I've kind of uh, now questioned it, but I think they're right. In that, Arteta frequently gets called a a defensive minded coach and I think that's true right I think he was really really these years trying to perfect a a formula which saw us being incredibly defensively compact and sound but almost being able to cheat the rule book a little bit and still end up in situations where we're regularly getting a shed load of players in the box when we go forward that's exactly Mm. what it seems like now it feels like When we first goal was, you know, the the Vieira cuts inside, puts it across, but there's a few players who could put that ball in, right? There were a few players in there. And then the Odegaard second goal, similarly, there was lots of players there. And we do that so often, but I just love it how we never look exposed. Yeah, it was really interesting you say that because there was a
1: tweet. I don't know if you saw it, but it was from a Wolves fan who said that he was watching the warm-up. And the way we warmed up in this game, and apparently we've been doing it for a while is we've been rehearsing this um get the midfielder or get someone in behind the defense out wide and then basically cut it across the box and you have three or four runners coming in from the other side and from the middle of the pitch uh, at varying times and varying positions to deal with that so you know it, i think it's you know we have this model now and i think um I've been listening to I think it's Tim Stillman on the Arsenal Vision podcast. He talks about it quite good, which he says, like this squad, we have the the backs, like the defensive players, and then we have the attacking players, in that, you know, you have your four or five players that always sit and they their their responsibility is to keep the shape. And then you have the attacking players who whose responsibility is to like basically make these attacks happen. And it's very clear that there's a separation between the two. Um, and actually it goes back to what you said. We are a defensive team because we have those defensive players who keep the shape, and then you have these four or five attacking players, Jesus, Odegaard, in this case Vieira, Saka, Martinelli, the five of them whose responsibility it is to make this attack work. And they interchange, they move around, and they get in each other's faces, and they sometimes probably confuse the hell out of defenders because they have this like really intricate way of moving the ball and getting the ball to each other in you know a variety of positions i think it was uh, was it the first goal it was the first goal where it was martinelli who no, who makes a ridiculous run across um yeah like up back forward and yeah, across yeah, yeah 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 um i don't think many many players in the premier league can either a have the skill to do that but b have the authority and the flexibility to make a run like that because he probably goes into like, spaces of about four or five
0: different players. At once yeah, time. it's true. And it, that's, a, again, testament to the fact that it feels like there is this, well, this like telepathic wavelength between all the players at the moment. But I feel like it probably more so, they're so drilled, it feels like they know if there is a player in this position, if the ball is there, this is where I need to be. You know, it's, it's an incredible, it's incredibly intricate. It must be I so difficult get, to coach.
1: I do get a sense that this, especially the first 11, is has really benefited from just playing with each other week in, week out. Um, you know, the defenders, they know each other now. They're starting to see, you know, Saliba and Gabriel form a really good partnership. Ben White now seems to, you know, work with Saka a lot better um the left-hand side especially now that Zinchenko's come back looks a lot more solid and he then unlocks Martinelli to do more and there are a lot of you know we've seen this with so many other arsenal teams before where we've been really good a really good collection of individual players hmm. but as a team we haven't worked well now this arsenal team you could argue in terms of raw individual superstar talent probably a level below Right, we don't have the Özil's, we don't have the Abamiyangs anymore. But as a team, we are so much more functional
0: and effective. Yeah, well said. Functional, effective, sustainable, everything. It's it's really it's it's hard to not just praise the team in every which way. It's incredible the amount of points that we've accumulated and the fact that other teams with with far better squads on paper i say not there's not many with far better squads, but let's just say there's a few better squads are just not able to put anything close to this kind of level of consistency up. Let's reflect on that a little bit. Because there's some results that did go our way on the weekend. Some annoyingly didn't. When well I say mm. they didn't. It feels like, you know, I don't want to be arrogant and, and and whatever, but I think we are still given, you know, we are still thinking okay, top four, we just need to make sure we're top four, you know. I still get bothered when you know Tottenham and United are, 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 are winning game, like Tottenham yeah, just exactly I don't think they've played well at all this season <laughs> yeah is that what it, they is it, but it's a the point though like where you're like you know when you when, when you because I agree with you and I'm sorry to interrupt you but it's not one of these things That's where right. like where we've been saying that for a while and I agree with that but the fact is they're still doing something so is that just phenomenal management Is that just actually the... Because if you look at their expected goals, it's quite high. Mm. So it feels like it's one of these things that they don't create much in games, don't dominate that much. But when they do, they create good chances. Yeah,
1: I don't... I don't watch enough... I haven't watched a lot of Tottenham games this season more because they keep winning them in the 91st minute or whatever. And it's just annoying. But... um, I, you know, when I do speak to Spurs fans and when I see them online, I don't think any of them seem that happy with the way Spurs are playing. And I kind of read into that that actually they you know, fair play to them. They're they're still in and around it. And I think actually some of their performances deserve they deserve to be a lot lower, but they've rescued so many points from losing positions and you're right maybe it is a skill and skill in itself and what would be really annoying is if they can actually then turn it on and start playing well they've then similarly got a decent platform to go and attack uh the top four and potentially
0: further but what i guess that's where i'm getting at i wonder if that's like if that's not it if it's a case where i think everyone sort of the way that everyone's looking at it right now is spurs aren't playing very well yet they're getting results Mm. But what if actually this is Spurs playing well? This, what if this is how he wants to play? And actually they're doing that fine. And actually... Well, yeah, what I say, some... if that's the case,
1: I'd actually be quite happy because I don't think this is... The way they're playing now is sustainable. Yeah. I think results will catch Maybe up. Yeah, I agree. Um, hmm. And they'll stop getting that little bit of luck to just... They'll start taking you know, the draws. The wins will turn into draws. The draws will turn into defeats. I think... The, the real worry is what if they figure it out? What if they add a player or two in January and yeah. they can push on, right? Newcastle, the same thing. And, you know, fair play to them, but, you know, it's all very illegitimate money, in my opinion. Um, well, not illegitimate, but very dodgy money. Where that's come from. Questionable is a good word, yeah. Um, and, yeah, you, know, so, you know, what I really want is for, like, you know, Liverpool are out of the title race now. right because they failed in these 13 games to build that platform where they can then go and attack the title um and now they're like okay well how do we get to mounting a top four place what top four challenge what i really want and what i would have loved is for a few other teams to be just out of this top four race um but annoyingly i think they're all hanging on and Mm. that's that's the worry
0: it sort of is it sort of is again i think that it is a worry if it, it, it will be a worry if arsenal start dropping and then it's like we yeah. get dragged into a genuine top four race as opposed to a title challenge but it won't be if i don't think if, if we carry if we carry on the way that we we're, we're doing because i think the sustainability and how we're playing I still see us even if we get a couple of injuries doing enough given the points we have on the board to finish in the top four. But I think what's interesting is that you've got other teams who, you know, like your Chelsea's and your Liverpool's, they're not going to give up. They're not going to give up. Um, But I sort of think that that puts a lot of pressure on some of these teams who aren't necessarily in the title race, but are in the top four. So your likes of, you know, Tottenham and Newcastle, et cetera, like they, they still have that pressure where they're looking behind. And I think as long as you can kind of still have that, then they won't necessarily be, you know, the shackles won't necessarily be off. And maybe that could be helpful for us. I, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think yeah. ultimately, look, we
1: started this season and we the way we approached it was actually... Uh, Man City are going to win the league Liverpool are going to finish second Chelsea are going to probably finish third therefore it's between us, Man United and Spurs for fourth yeah. <laughs> right now it's Man City will probably finish first but second, third, fourth is now up for grabs and maybe even first and yeah there are there is one more team that is has joined the hunt but actually I'd rather be chasing three of those Champions League places than one
0: yeah that's fair that's fair um conscious of time there are two topics two subtopics that I wanted to get into um sub-topics. this sub subtopics <laughs> they're not really subtopics are they there's a bad, bad bad use of um bad use of terminology for me these are these the are new, very much standard uh, yeah, yeah stand very very topic. much standard very it's very standard on <laughs> one is world cup call-ups now I, look um the vast majority of players that have been called up to the World Cup squad from Arsenal, or their World Cup squads from, from Arsenal, the vast majority were expected. Yeah. So like Saka was expected. Partey was expected. Jacko was expected. Those kinds of players were expected. I think we expected Ramsdale would go ex- as well. But there are a few that, you know, weren't really sure about. Um, let's talk about them. One of them was uh, Benjamin White, who I think, you know, Everyone I think including non Arsenal fans probably got to the point before the World Cup squad was announced. They probably got to the point where they're like, Yeah, fair enough. He should probably be in the squad. But there was that question mark, right, around num the numbers game and whether he would take Trent and all that kind of stuff. But you you, you, you please that Ben White got the call up. You think he do you think he deserves to go? And do you think that um do you think that I know there's no real way of us knowing, but do you think Gareth Southgate has central defense in mind or has he got right back in mind for him? I, if he, if Southgate plays a back five, which I
1: think he probably will, then actually maybe Ben White does have a shout for that third centre back spot. Mm. Uh, if he plays a back four, he's probably behind Trippier as right back. And I don't think Southgate wants to use Ben White in the same way that uh, Arteta uses mm-hmm. him, yeah. where effectively he becomes a kind of defensive midfield wide midfield or whatever you want to call it, sometimes going up and down the touchline, but sometimes just controlling you being used in midfield to control the game. That's not Southgate's uh kind of way of working. But as a third defender in a three, he potentially works quite well. I think he yeah, he might start. I don't know. Um you know there's Dyer there's Maguire there's uh Stones I he, he's as good
0: as all three of them so um why not yeah Mobe in the comments he's, he's left a couple of comments today thank you so much for for joining us Mobe he's and he's here saying Benny fully deserve it but I don't think he'll play Southgate as a joker man it is <laughs> he, well firstly that's Mobe is he's uh, you know i can't figure out remember do you support america or jamaica you know he's got the jamaican roots but you know he's you know lives in america so you know if he is if he's got his american hat on he probably wants southgate to be a bit of a joker doesn't he because you know we we're we're in the same group and that um but i think the problem i think you hit the nail on the head right ben white's been brilliant this season fantastic but he's playing a very specific role in one of the most sophisticated systems under one of the probably biggest talents of a manager that, you know, around at the moment, it's not South gates, England. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's very different. So I can kind of sympathize in, in, in any way. If we play four at the back, I kind of agree with you, but I also agree with what you said first, where I think if he goes with the five, then it always makes sense to have him there, particularly as Carl Walker probably is struggling for, you know, fitness. he hasn't yeah. had that many games, etc. Um, Okay, another one is uh, Gabriel Martinelli. Mm. There was question marks about whether he'd get called up. From what we understand, he wasn't. um, From what I say, he wasn't gonna be called up. He wasn't in the initial plans, but it's just, you know, I mean, you 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 were the oracle on this one. You said this was gonna be Martinelli's breakout season, and and you know, (laughs) well, not break. I think you know, you thought he would be our shining light, really. And I mean, he arguably has been. He's been so so good, and he's 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 muscled his way into the. Brazil squad. Are you pleased about that? Do you think he'll play? I can't see him
1: starting, especially given Brazil, I've uh, you know, got a very good squad full of very good attacking players. I think for him, it was just very, very important for him to get called up. And I think that is enough. I think that's the right for Arsenal. That works out quite well. Let him go, let him train with the squad, let him be in and around it maybe he gets some minutes if Brazil are cruising um, and they're two, three, no up in, in certain games, but actually, you know, I, you know, he, we've seen this before and, and like, he's, he's spoken a lot about how he's dreamed about just making this squad. I think he said his dad, when he was like 10, amazing story, isn't it? Yeah. To, to predicted nice the, the 2022 world cup, he'll be in the squad. Um, and i think that's just testament to showing you know it's it's a pretty mental story right he was this kid from where did we poach him from like ituana yeah uh, 17 First i think division. it was yeah. yeah and 3 4 years later uh whatever 1920 how, how old he is now um he's in the brazilian world cup squad top of the um, premier league with his team top of the premier league starting every game and i think that is awesome (laughs) and i think but i don't think he'll play and um i think you know he has the potential to be involved in something very very special for brazil because i think they're probably favorites to win it Mm -hmm. and even you know i hope he gets five minutes to say like i played and i was a part of the the team and if he comes back a world cup winner alongside gabriel jesus that's why i'm a little bit disappointed that uh Gabriel couldn't make it. Gabriel Magalhaes couldn't make it mm. because it would have been nice to have the three of them in and around the squad um, because for Brazilians, like the, the World Cup is the be-all and all of your, you know, Arsenal could win five Champions Leagues. But I think Martinelli, Jesus and uh, Gabriel will still be like, I haven't made it as a footballer because I haven't won the World Cup with Brazil.
0: I agree. I feel, I feel really bad for Gabriel as well.
1: Really? So and he deserved to go. Um yeah. so yeah, I think I think yeah, I'm very happy for him. And I think he'll he'll then be able to kick on and he'll be an established member of the squad and he can start to then work his way into you know the next Copa America, the next World Cup, where you should be thinking, Well, I want to be the starting wide player for Brazil.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I, I really hope that Gabriel is um firstly, I do I do actually hope there's some kind of injury in the Brazil squad and he, he gets a last-minute call-up. I don't know if he is, you know, kind of the next on the list type thing. But it feels mental to me, right, that you could be the centre-back in, you know, starting centre-back in the team that's top of the Premier League, best defensive record, joint best defensive re- record in the Premier League, top-scoring centre-back mm. in the Premier League for, I I don't think it's just this season. I think it's like over the last two, two years or so. Mm-hmm. It's, it makes me sad when stuff like that happens because i sort of feel like if you're a player you probably feel like a manager just has their favorites then and and you're just not one of them um and that must be difficult yeah. when you know like you say when you're brazilian and, and this is your dream playing in the world cup is your dream so i do feel for him if you know it'd be nice if he could be there with his mates yeah as i said maybe there'll be an injury yeah um I don't think there are any other players, right? That um, there were question marks over whether they'd be in or out. That, that's worth us discussing. Um, but let's talk about <laughs> let's let's finish up this episode with what is probably the biggest. Not, I'm not even going to say biggest football story. I'm not even going to say biggest sports story. It's arguably the biggest story. Um, or, or, you know, that's going that's doing the news cycles right now, which is Cristiano Ronaldo's interview uh, with Piers Morgan where it's just truth bomb after truth bomb after truth bomb the guy has just wow <laughs> like he i mean he's let loose man like jeez i mean let, let's before we before i get your thoughts on it you know what i find intriguing about this is it feels so planned so mm. a couple of months ago he had that cryptic instagram post didn't he where he basically said words to the effect of the truth will come out in like in a few weeks i think it's a few weeks or something like this you know there was that kind of statement there was there was all this kind of you know not um you know not uh, walking off the pitch and and, and leaving there was a very, lots of very, very interesting calculated things and then recently you know he was captain of Man United a week ago, so I think he wore the captain's armband against Aston Villa. And you know, the the other day against um, um, against who, who who did they play last? Fulham, Fulham, right? He was allegedly ill, right, or, or whatever. And then this bombshell interview comes just before the World Cup, so it's very calculated. So it's not during the kind of Premier League kind of period. It's the you know, whatever. And it's just an explosion. Mate, what are your, what are your thoughts first up? Because there's there's lots of things that have been leaked. I think the interview, does the interview, is it fully live today? When, uh, I think Wednesday and Wednesday. Thursday, they said. Um, Thursday,
1: okay. I probably won't watch it because I can't stand Piers Morgan. I think it's on some nonsense channel as well. Talk, um, is it talk TV. Talk TV, whatever that is. Um, and... Yeah, so man, where do you start? I think we, I think as Arsenal fans, are probably very well placed to judge (laughs) because we have experience of this. I think this is Ozil all over again, but 10 times bigger. 10 times. Um, Because Ozil had a very good PR operation. He had a very good, you know, he's got a history of being really good on the pitch. Um, I think he, and he has like a fan base that weren't Arsenal fans that were Ozil fans.
0: Mm. And
1: this is that times 10 because, you know, Ronaldo has been one of the top two players in the world for the last 10 years. And actually if any player can justify having a following who follow him and not the, the club, It's him and Messi, right? And, you know, you have to ask, why on earth did Man United sign him? And and what was the thinking there? Because they would have seen this coming a mile. Anyone could have told you that this was going to happen. He was only ever going to be able to sustain his level for a, a certain amount of time. And at that point, any club in transition would have to move him on. And that was never going to be easy. And Ronaldo, yeah, you know, there was probably a path where Ronaldo could have tried to make it. He could have accepted to say, look, I'm past it. I'm going to just go and go and play my trade in a league where I can get 15, 20 goals a season. But Ronaldo was like, no, I think I'm still good and I still think I want a Champions League team. And he's now making it very messy. I, I yeah. yeah, and this is this is it. I think it's going to be... For us as Arsenal fans, it's hilarious to watch and I hope it carries on because I think it will continue to destabilise Man United. And you say it was well-timed during the World Cup and all that. I'm kind of annoyed it's during the World Cup because if this was three weeks ago, I think the circus around Man United would have carried on. You know, there were cameras outside every Premier League game, outside his house, outside the training ground. Man United are quite lucky that they can use this World Cup to reset from all that. And actually, they have the ability now to just move on past him after the world cup
0: it, it's they are lucky in that way i agree um <laughs> but you think just going back to something you, you said right you say you know why you said why did they why did they sign him and if it's true then allegedly they were worried they didn't want city to sign him and they kind of thought that they need to they need to get in there and say if there's any truth in that <clears throat> it's so embarrassing short-sighted you know yet yeah, it, yeah? Because if City, if City genuinely were interested in him, and if they got him on a couple of year contract on 500 grand a week or whatever, I don't think they would have got Haaland as well. Yeah. Right. That would have been very hard to manage. And so if you were someone clever at Man United, you probably go, hey, listen, yeah, it's not ideal. One of our legendary and inverted commas players is playing for Man City. But hey, you know what? The greater good. They might not get Haaland. You might go somewhere else. You might go Real Madrid. You know, none of that. They didn't. So that so so if that's the case and that didn't happen. Secondly, we're in an era of systems. Mm. Yeah, when it comes to management, it's not this era of like you know we get to about ten years right. Everyone pretty made played very very not not the same tactics, but you know, geez, there was none of this kind of positional play. Um, yeah. You know, it, it was it was about it was you could basically you could put a Ronaldo in pretty much any team and it would it would be fine. But we're not in that era anymore. Um, yes, and, and sorry, let me rephrase that. Ronaldo of ten years ago, yes, he could get in any team, any system, whatever. But not this Ronaldo. This Ronaldo has specific strengths and pre- specific things that he can't do anymore. And Man United, a, a club in transition, when they are looking to, you know, appoint their next manager or whatever, you know, it makes no sense to me that you would go sign Ronaldo and then go appoint someone like Ten Hag, who obviously like in his interview he would probably have said, this is the sort of football I want to play. Yep. Right. This is what I want to and do. And they would have known this, right. Cause Ronaldo was at the club
1: and yeah. 10 Hag is not stupid, right? He is a very good system manager, right? Yeah. And the first thing he probably asks the management, the board, whoever is, what can I do with Ronaldo? Like, can I get rid of him? And when we, will I be backed if I want to get rid of him? Because he knows, you know, with respect, Raj, he probably knows more about football than you do, right? And he would have realised, if you can realise it, he would yeah. have realised this. Totally. Um, and he would have definitely just been like, look, I, we have this Ronaldo problem. The only way this thing works, this rebuild, this transition works is... If we keep him, if he becomes a squad player, if he becomes a bench player, if I can drop him whenever I want, if I can play him, I can bring him on for 10 minutes when we need a goal, or I can play him in the League Cup games and the Europa League games. And someone somewhere would have been like, fine. That message obviously wasn't communicated to Ronaldo, or it was, and then he tried to leave in the summer. That didn't work out because no one wanted to buy him, or he wouldn't drop his wages and whatever happened. So they're stuck with him and they and now he's just. You know, make it he's I think it's just really bad timing. Yeah, you know, he's very well PR managed, but do you really think this was a good idea? Like
0: yeah. this is hubris, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. This is just this is this is classic. This is classic. Uh, right. You're on a you you have these you have court cases, right, where you've got the defendant, and how many times do you see these, you know, when they do these true crime documentaries or whatever, where they talk about these cases and they t- the lawyers always say, I told the defendant, I told him not to go on the stand. I told him yeah. it was a terrible idea. But you, and then you hear the defendant talk, they're like, I, oh, you know, I thought that they needed to hear me. I thought that, you know, everyone needed to hear my truth. And everyone, you know, if I give my truth, they will, they will believe me. They'll be on my side. It's yeah. a hubris. This is, his, this is what he did. He basically, he, he has definitely a hundred percent thought. If I go out there, if I say all these things, everyone will believe me and everyone will back me up. No one will will turn on me. Everyone will hear my truth, right? Yeah,
1: it's it's bonkers. Like so- I think it's three four months too late. I think if you'd done this in yeah, like August, or if you'd done it in September, and um, you know, the jury was still out on Ten Hag. Everyone was still very anti-Glazer, anti Glazer, anti whatever that CEO was. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, 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 Woodward. Woodward. That's it. Yeah. Um, all that. And he'd come out and said, Woodward is an idiot. The Glazers are stupid. Um, we don't know what's going on. It might have worked. I think to do it now, when Man United do have a little bit of momentum, I know it's still a bit up and down. When they just got a last minute winner, they have a young player come in to go on TV, like what, three, four hours later or whatever. And put that interview out. It just like after like what two three weeks after he refused to come on against Tottenham, like for me that is like the maddest thing. He refused to come onto the pitch. He said, "I am not going to." My manager tells me to come on. I am not going to come on. I am basically going to leave. How he got a single minute of football for Man United after that is beyond me. Got the captain's Um, armband. Yeah, like that. That's bonkers. I know Ten Hag has phased him out from the league. I have no idea why he just didn't say, all right, you're going to just sit on the bench or you're going to sit in the reserves until you take a pay cut and leave because we're just going to let you see out your contract when we're rich enough to just let you go and you can rot in the reserves. Um, I think there's probably some contractual marketing, branding nonsense that might stop them from doing that. I don't know. But you know, the other hypothesis is that he is trying to just get Man United to pay him off to leave and say so he can go on a free because that's what big players do now
0: it does seem like that's, that's good I wonder you know going back to the timing thing right and going back to um you know the point about if he had done it earlier would it you know he could have got away with it I, I, I imagine that Arteta and what's happening at Arsenal haven't done him any favors here right because Arteta has got this art going on right where he he stood up to these big players and and you know, trust the process. And even Ozil's famous tweet of trust the process, you know, and all that kind of stuff and Obamiang and that whole situation. And now you've got this Arsenal side that look ridiculously united playing incredibly cohesive football um and at the top of the league. And and now so the image, you know, you look at Arsenal, you go, the manager, I mean, they backed the manager, the manager knew what he was doing and the fans supported the manager, whatever. It's really terrible, right? Because Ten Hag is obviously doing some things at United, which are actually, like, they look pretty decent. Like, you know, United look okay. They look certainly, um, they, they, they're certainly playing better football in some ways or, or, or going in a direction that um, you, you think that... There are some similarities. we talked about how, you know, when Arteta started and, and and some similarities to what Ten Hag's doing. But, you know, you imagine a lot, of, a lot of Man United fans are looking at it and going, yeah, like, actually, you know, Arsenal probably... Probably hit the nail on the head here. we like, we probably got to do a similar thing. It's not a great time for your I think old player who doesn't fit the system to kind of start on the manager so publicly. I think he's done Ten Hag a massive favour. If anything, I think
1: he can now go and look and be like, "This guy's a bell end." Look, like, he's just exposed <laughs> yeah. himself on. Like, I don't need to, This isn't dressing room like privacy. I don't need to respect the dressing room. He's gone on national TV and acted like an idiot. And now everyone will just be like, well, no, you have to deal with this. Mm. It's not like he's just doing it in training. Cause with Urzel, the biggest mystery was we tried to protect the player. We, yeah, you know, we didn't really say anything. He was just dropped and everyone was like, where's Urzel? Is he injured? Is he fit? And, um, yeah, I think it became clear. He was, he has massive attitude problems and has done for a while. And maybe even back from Wenger was protecting him. Um, but now Ten Hag's got it easy. He doesn't have to play Ronaldo in a single minute ever again if he wants to and no one will question him on it
0: ever. It's true. He's done him a big favor in that respect. Yeah. I, I love uh, and, you know we should we should wrap up in a second but some of the quotes that have come out of the Ronaldo interview um some of them are are really funny like it seems like he has <laughs> he's had j- like jabs at Rooney, jabs at Gary Neville of um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Gary Neville says about it the next time he's on Sky. Oh, it's it's amazing. Like I think, like it's just it's just this. He's just pulled no punches, hasn't he? He's just gone for a- anything and everything.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there's more that they're holding back. Yeah. I think it's yeah, it's obviously very PR managed still. I think he's. I don't think he said anything bad about the Glazers, from what I understand. I think he's oh I think he has. Gone. Oh, has he? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think fine, he I'll has. He he's never spoken to the owners. They not I think words to the effect if they don't know what
1: they're doing. Ah, okay, fine. But he has has he said anything bad about Ten Hag yet? Yeah, I don't think he has.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mate, where have you he's been? A, You've been like annoyed. I said anything like, about Ten Hag. He said, I don't respect him. I don't respect I, I don't respect anyone who doesn't respect me. And talked about his daughter. He didn't believe me about my daughter and all this kind of stuff oh blimey i
1: missed that yeah yeah he's
0: like i don't Um, respect the the, i don't respect ten Hag because he doesn't
1: Right, i saw the i saw the rooney neville wine i saw when he was going on about the chef and saying nothing's changed in 10 years (laughs) and all all that stuff uh i didn't realize he said that about ten Hag. no that's um yeah makes it even clearer that he should well i hope they keep him i hope yeah, For whatever reason, yeah. that, like, I don't know, Marshall and Rashford get injured and actually they need a striker and they have to
0: start Ronaldo every game from now on. Because that would be really funny. That would be hilarious. I, I, I loved, but I'd love to know what the rest of the Man United squad think. Hmm. Do you know? like, I, I,
1: Players I, are weird. They, it's, you know, they're it's they still friends in the dressing room. But we saw it with Aubameyang, right? When he came out from Chelsea, when he played us against when we played Chelsea and it, you know, I'm sure they still probably friends with a lot of the squad, but it looked to me like those players have realized that Aubameyang was holding them back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the way they reacted was, look, we don't have to tolerate your ego anymore. We don't have to tolerate you and your attitude. Look what we are now without you. And maybe the players are just thinking the same thing that actually this guy is just look, he was a very good player, but we tolerated your attitude when you were smashing in 50 goals a season. But when you're a 37 year old who can't hack it and can't deliver consistently, you can't behave the way you are.
0: Yeah. Just shut your mouth. Basically. Yeah. yeah <laughs> be a bit more humble. Yeah. Be gracious. Um, Awesome, mate. Listen, uh, I think we'll call it there. Uh, we may see you on a, <laughs> an episode soon. We may not. Um, so obviously look, we've got the world cup and, um, and Aaron and is uh, he's not going to the world cup, but he is going on a little bit of an Asian adventure. Um, and, uh, and I don't, I don't know if the time zones are going to work out so that you can join us on the podcast while, while, while that's happening. But at the same time, um, we, we you know, we, we may still record next week, maybe before you go. Right. So, uh, Hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, to do a little bit more of a, a dive on um on on maybe the things that we need to think about. Arsenal need to think about going into um, you know, post World Cup and, and January transfer window. Obviously, we you can review stay, uh Qatar versus Ecuador. We can Talk do that as well. That of course. That will be the main that will be the main talking point. Um but look, Aaron and thank you. That was really good chat. I really enjoyed it. Despite me being ill, you know, I um you, you got me through my illness.
1: <laughs> so thank
0: you uh everyone look like, thank you for joining us those who've watched live um and those who have listened uh what's the opposite of post live what is it like listen um, live and listened uh, recorded recorded listen to the recorded eps um yeah thank you thank you for everyone everyone for your support mobe um thank you very much for your intense participation um during the episode and everyone if you could like share subscribe very much appreciate tell your friends it. Tell, tell everyone tell everyone tell your parents tell your children yes thank you everyone <laughs> um enjoy being top of the league we are going to be five points clear at the top of the league until the very least boxing day yeah probably later on yeah D- does city play on boxing day
1: yeah but we've got a we've got five that's the beauty of being five points clear that we can lose one and still be top
0: Yeah. All right. Good night. Cheers, Aaron. See you later. Bye bye. you mate. Bye.